Welcome everyone to the Star Wars Historian Show here on the Gazebo Effect Podcast. This is your host, David Gonzalez, and unfortunately, I'm the only one who's really here from the original Star Wars Historian's kind of cast, I guess, if you want to say that. Uh, Luke is unable to be here today. Um, nonetheless, I have a special guest with me, a first-time guest here on the Gazebo Effect podcast, and it is one of my very, very good friends, Brady Paul. Welcome, Brady. What's up, guys? Brady, it's it's good to see you, because obviously we're FaceTiming uh, through this COVID period, but one of the things that I enjoy, one of the many things I enjoy about our friendship is our love for Star Wars, um, and we've done this several times where we'll just hang out and eat lunch. That should take an hour, but we're there two to three hours just talking about things of Star Wars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Star Wars is just one of those things it's easy to get caught up and just end up going down a rabbit hole and talking about a million, especially when it's two people that love Star Wars and who grew up with Star Wars. So Star Wars has been a big part of my life. Um, Obviously, growing up, seeing my dad showed me the original trilogy and then seeing the prequels and then, you know, getting to live through the sequel trilogy coming out. And then obviously this great, amazing show um, that we get the chance to watch the Mandalorian. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're doing the Mandalorian review. We're on chapters 13 and 14 for, for this specific episode. Um, Brady, can you just give me some of your initial thoughts of, especially just these two episodes as a whole, what, what was your emotions and what were your thoughts coming coming away from those two? Absolutely. So obviously, with Chapter 13, it was, from what I could understand, a very anticipated episode. Obviously, we, two episodes ago, had just gotten a big name drop in Ahsoka Tano um, when Bo-Katan was kind of showing um, Din Djarin where he needed to go to find the Jedi. Um, we had kind of... Uh, really an awesome episode in chapter 12 um, when we kind of get to regroup um, with Grief Karga and with Cara Dune. Um, but then now here in chapter 13, we actually get to see a Jedi. We get to see lightsabers. We get to see all this great Star Wars stuff in this Mandalorian show. Um, and evidently it was not a very well-kept secret um, as far as even even the title, the Jedi, um, just hearing a lot of lot of rumors around and see, things people were anticipating and knew that that was going to be the title, um, and then obviously with chapter fourteen, um, getting somebody from another part of Star Wars in the original trilogy, getting to see Boba Fett um, back and in action, just a lot of a lot of side characters kind of coming back and really I think the Mandalorian is um, setting up a lot of opportunities for later spinoffs for really just a lot more character development from characters. I mean, obviously we've gotten a lot of character development from Ahsoka, um, but Boba Fett really in the original trilogy just was kind of a side character played a main role in the plot, but didn't really get a lot of screen time. He's getting a lot of screen time here, especially in chapter 14. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's just go ahead and jive, jive in, jive in into chapter 13 of, 
of the Mandalorian season two. And man, it was a, it was a fun ride that we got to be on. I think obviously you highlighted Ahsoka Tano being in this episode. Um, it was heavily anticipated, like you said, um, an opportunity, I think, especially for toxic Star Wars fans to just kind of, and I was, I, I will say that I was one of the ones who my initial reaction to seeing uh, Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, I was really, really worried that she wouldn't do the character justice. Sure. Um, nothing against her as an actor or anything like that. I just bringing an on-screen uh, or an animated character on on screen in, in human flesh, I guess you could say, yeah. um, making that come to life is always a dangerous task, especially after the success, the success of Bo-Katan. Yeah. I mean, her, she, she was a great character to bring back to life, but with this kind of species... Um, it's always scary, but she did a really good job, especially in the in, in the introduction scene of just going ham on uh, the soldiers of Morgan Elspeth. I, th- I think that's how you say her yeah, name. Elspeth, yeah. I'm just going to call her. I'm just going to call her Morgan. Um, or the magic. But that was a great. Yeah. Yes. The ma- Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that was a great opening scene of, of, of Ahsoka. Again, not defining herself as a Jedi. She just se- she seems to be on a mission of her own in this episode, which we'll talk about here later on down the road. But I think it was a great introduction scene to to get us set for this is this is what we've been waiting for for this entire season mm-hmm. for Ahsoka Tano. We've heard the rumors. Uh, Luke has said that. Uh, has that people just kind of ruin surprises at this point with all the spoilers and everything like that. But this episode to me was like, it was a love letter to star Wars fans. Those who watch the clone wars, those who, who have seen rebels. um, It's just been a, it's been a fun ride to kind of go on and see Dave Filoni just put all these things together Mm -hmm. in this episode. Yeah. Him getting to kind of pull, from from obviously the Clone Wars. So me, myself, I'm still watching through the Clone Wars, um, which I'm glad I'm getting to kind of go through Clone Wars and Mandalorian at the same time, um, kind of getting to see some of, you know, Ahsoka's mannerisms, some of those facial expressions she makes. And obviously that's an animation, but that comes to life, obviously, through Ashley Eckstein and her great job she does with her voice. Um, but yeah, as you're saying, I mean, Dave Filoni, when... I mean, I don't think it came. Did it come out that he was directing this episode beforehand? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I think it. I'm pretty sure I saw something about it. I wasn't sure if it was official, if it was just a rumor. But yeah, when it came out that Dave Filoni, you know, the head honcho himself, is directing this episode, I mean, you really couldn't expect anything less than for how he, you know, just dove in headfirst. I mean, for me, just kind of the tone of Mandalorian the Mandalorian show from to this point, they kind of make you wait sometimes in the episodes, you know, you Mm -hmm. kind of assume what's coming. They'll give you the title and it'll kind of, you know, pique your interest. Right. For this, I mean, 
within the first five minutes, Ahsoka is on screen. Like she's the first thing kind of that you see. You see those two uh, white lightsabers or yeah, white lightsabers. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh my gosh, they've already started. Like, because in the force awakens, you hear all this stuff about Luke Skywalker. We're trying to find Luke Skywalker. He's in the last minute of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I was also kind of expecting that. I didn't think that we'd see her as early as we saw her. Right. Um, so that was that was a nice surprise yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Dave did. Dave just. I feel like he just sits and thinks. Okay, what's going to defy expectations here? But also, I think he stays true to Star Wars in that. I mean, obviously, you see like the Western and you know, um, kind of. Uh, samurai influences in this episode with kind of the visuals, the sounds, um, which is, I mean, originally what influenced George Lucas as he was creating characters for Star Wars. So he's he's definitely trying to stay true to the original vision, but then he's like, man, I get to put this character that I created in animation and put it on screen, which is amazing. I mean, again, I'm just now watching through um the clone wars but just to see how many people were so adamant and and hesitant to you know okay we've got ahsoka coming but it's not going to be the ahsoka we knew but it's still Mm -hmm. being created by dave filoni himself and i think he did an amazing job yeah and i think the the criticism not criticism because i was among those i think my only concern was the look Sure. And if I thought that the look and especially with it not being Ashley voicing it, I was like, is this going to be good? And it was. I think uh, Rosario Dawson did an amazing job in portraying Ahsoka because, again, this is a much this is the 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 latest version of Ahsoka that we've ever seen. Right. We come I mean, because we've seen her in Clone Wars. We've seen her in, in Rebels uh, and she's a lot older when we last see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the finale of Rebels, but this is the the most current version of Ahsoka we're gonna get. So she had a lot of uh, Dawson had a lot of room to just kind of expand on the character of sure. Ahsoka, and I think she does it well. Yeah. Um, but just kind of moving on from from there, another thing that we see in this episode was the reveal of the child's name and background. The child's name is Grogu. Grogu. Which I, for whatever reason, people will even complain about that. Absolutely. Um, They're going to find something ridiculous. to complain about, you know? Yes, absolutely. Uh, he was actually a student at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant during the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have been talking about how did, how did he escape or um, survive Order 66. It's revealed that somebody took him yeah that was such an ominous line she was like someone took him so it's almost like well and i love in this in in this scene where grogu and ahsoka get to connect it's almost like to this point grogu's kind of been playing possum in a way and Mm. he's just now like now that he knows ahsoka you know you're you come from my background you you know the force you know, he and I, I don't even think he really necessarily lays it all out, but he gives Ahsoka a big sneak peek into his history. Oh, for sure. I absolutely agree. And 
remember that that Grogu had to kind of suppress his force abilities in order to survive. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he may not understand everything about the galaxy that he's living in, but he knew for the longest time that in order for him to survive, he couldn't display any of his force abilities, really. Mm -hmm. um, so Ahsoka coming back and the opportunity to for him to be trained was a great thing, except when Ahsoka sees the connection between Mando and Grogu, she says, I can't train him because I've seen what attachments can do to a Jedi and it's not good. Which again, that references Anakin Skywalker mm -hmm. who becomes Darth Vader and all this kinds of stuff, Yeah, uh, which I thought was brilliant and great. It gave me a different sense though of something that we saw before and let me explain okay. i want to i want i want to get your thoughts on this okay in the scene of where ahsoka is explaining to mando why she can't train grogu her answer is a lot better than what the council gave qui-gon jinn when they said anakin couldn't be trained mm -hmm. um the only answer they really gave Qui-Gon in that moment was saying he's too old. But with Ahsoka, she says she has, he has an attachment to you. Uh, and attachments can be very, very dangerous. And I'm not going to basically saying, I'm not going to be a part of possibly creating another monster. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just really, because Dave has said in past interviews before that he also has seen flaws within the Jedi order and their philosophy. Mm -hmm. And I think possibly, I'm not sure because I, I, as much as I want to, I don't know the mind of Dave Filoni, sure. but I would think that especially with Ahsoka kind of being his character that he created with George Lucas, he wanted to kind of correct a little bit of the wrongs that the Jedi had in Ahsoka Tano. No, oh, yeah. Uh, and so I, I just appreciated that moment. But what did you think of, of kind of her explanation? Right. And I think it's, I, I think it's impossible to not draw those connections to, you know, obviously Ahsoka is coming from that Jedi culture, that Jedi mindset. Um, and I know, I mean, obviously she would say she's no Jedi, which another side point, she had so many opportunities to drop that line in this episode, but she never does. She never, like, I'm pretty sure the magistrate, like, calls her a Jedi. And then I think Din Djarin eventually calls her a Jedi. And she, I mean, she has every opportunity to be like, I'm not a Jedi. I hate them. She's, she's come to a point, I think, where she understands where the Jedi were coming from in, in their thought process, in their their um philosophy of how they they went about things um and i think her having been as close to anakin skywalker as you know anybody but you know like obi-wan um and, and maybe a few others that got to be close to him i mean she got really intimate with him and his force experience his force journey um and so I think if anyone has any right to be able to draw that comparison from Grogu to Anakin, it's going to be Ahsoka. My my thing is 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 Ahsoka 
I don't think Ahsoka is drawing from the same um, from the same well that the Jedi Council was when they were worried about Anakin. I think obviously, I mean, obviously towards the end, you know, kind of moving forward, she she relents and says, "Okay, here's here's a happy medium. Go to the planet Tython, put him on the Seeing Stone, and Grogu can choose his path." And kind of, you know, in a way. Seeing Grogu as kind of like this young one who's growing up and, you know, Din kind of being his father, you know, you kind of got to let your kid go, let him make his own decisions. Um, so kind of seeing where the force leads Grogu as opposed to, you know, trying to take him, put him in a box and um, which I feel like is kind of what happened with Anakin. I mean, Anakin was put in the box of the Jedi was given all of these restrictions, all of these um, rules and regulations and codes he had to follow. And not to say that they were all bad. I think there were some that really hindered him and that, you know, pushed him towards the dark side. But I think there were some that, you know, if the Jedi would, you know, as they say, they're, they're very much force guided um, and, you see that in Qui-Gon, you see that in Ahsoka, you see that in these, these Jedi that didn't really fit in with the council. Um, and so I think the way Ahsoka handled it was, I think she handled it in the best way she could. Cause I think there is, there was a legitimate fear there of her being like, and we don't, that's, that's the thing. We don't know everything that she saw. We don't know everything that Grogu communicated with her. We just know what Ahsoka shared with us. Um, and a lot of things she was very, very subtle, very, you know, didn't give a lot of detail. Um, she sensed fear in him. She sensed a darkness in his past. Um, we were talking earlier about, you know, these force abilities he has where he's, he's, I mean, he's force choked Cara Dune. I mean, he's got, he's a very powerful, you know, force user. And so she wants the force to guide him. Um, and I think that was a great great way to you know move this episode forward into the into the next episode not getting ahead of us because we're we're not we're not done covering we're not even close to done covering this episode but yeah i think that was a great um a great connection there as far as and that may have been my favorite uh easter egg in a way is that i mean she's going back to prequel trilogy of like him being on coruscant um, and there's a lot of history there that we obviously have yet to find out, but I think it's going to be awesome when we finally get to get to see and um, know all of what Grogu's history is. And Ahsoka drops, and we're at this point we're going to kind of cover along some of our favorite Easter eggs um, and some things to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka, this entire time she's been on this planet of Corvus. Uh, to find Admiral Thrawn. What? I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. this is cool. Yeah. I said, this is great. Um, because this just opens up. Now, I, we, I've heard rumors, and, and we've heard rumors of Disney possibly making an Ahsoka Tano spinoff series right. on Disney+. Plus. Right. Uh, that's always been something that I've heard. And I think what this episode does very well, it sets up 
this series very well. Mm-hmm. The whole point of Ahsoka Tano at the end of Rebels is to go with Sabine Wren to go find Ezra Bridger, right. who was a Jedi during the Rebels TV series. Yeah, it almost and Thrawn seems... is supposed to be involved in that yeah. as well. Yeah, it almost seems like in this episode, there's like a like so. Din is getting to the the apex of his journey, which is you know mm-hmm. return the child to his kind. So he's yeah. he's done with these side quests, and this is kind of the main quest. He's going to find this Jedi, but then we find kind of intersecting, um, you know, storylines where it seems like Ahsoka's yeah. been been on her own journey trying to find mm-hmm. what we find out is Grand Admiral Thrawn, um, and so I think that definitely leaves room for another arc of Ahsoka to keep going. Cause I mean, we just kind of yeah. leave, we don't know what happens to the magistrate. We don't know what the magistrate tells Ahsoka that leaves that pretty well wide open. And I think again, Dave Filoni, man, Dave Filoni. Yeah. Just uh, so good. Get, uh, leaving his footprint on the star yes. Wars universe really in this. Very episode. well put. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of mentioned my favorite Easter egg. You kind of just dropped it. So I'm going to mention it again, <laughs> but they, they brought back the planet Tython. Yeah. Which f- for me, as someone, Luke and I have mentioned this several times before, uh, of just the old Republic video game. Uh, that's an online game as a Jedi. When you're starting off, your starting planet is Tython with mm. a big Jedi temple. The, the Jedi order is kind of rebuilding itself after, um, the treaty of Coruscant made with the Sith empire to cease battle for a little while for the emperor to regain his strength. The Jedi regain their strength also during this period. Yeah. And Tython, like I said, is the starting planet for all Jedi characters, whether you're a Jedi guardian or Jedi consular. Wow. So the fact that she was just like, you would go to the planet Tython. Insane. Yeah. Was incredible. Probably my favorite Easter egg drop just as, there's always a thought of if these video games that were made before or right around the time of the Disney purchase of Lucas mm-hmm. film or I guess of star Wars, right. um, are these games still Canon? And while the answer has not been clearly defined as yes, the fact that they take little bits and pieces from these kind of, from this content that people want to be Canon. Yeah is just very reassuring. And that's why I think it's my favorite Easter egg. And I think you might've mentioned yours, but if you haven't yet, what, what's, what was your favorite Easter egg in this episode? Yeah. So just like really Ahsoka's, Ahsoka's dialogue, whenever she's talking about, you know, after her and Grogu kind of have this force connection, um, she talks about everything from, you know, well, obviously the just very subtle, name drop of Grogu um, and getting to see Grogu's response to that is super cool. But then the ties, the tie backs to, she mentions Coruscant. She mentions he was taken from the Jedi temple. She even goes far as to talk about, she name drops Yoda. So we know that Mm, Yoda and him are the same species, which is cool. I mean, we can stop calling him baby Yoda now and the child. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, I mean, I'm still going to call him the child, you know, people who don't necessarily like Grogu. I mean, his name is Grogu. We know that now. Names carry weight. Let's call him Grogu. Um, But, and then when she mentions Yoda, oh my gosh, Yoda's theme comes in. 
Yes. The music. And then Grogu, Grogu, who's kind of in like this meditating state or he's basically about to fall asleep mm-hmm. when he hears the name Yoda just kind of turns to Ahsoka. Oh my gosh. I didn't catch that. And then, yeah, she, he, he turns to Ahsoka. Then Ahsoka kind of nods his head as to say that, you know, he's gone. Mm. And then he like puts his head down again. Wow. Uh, that's cool. And it was just a, uh, it's, it's, it's a powerful moment. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, but, yeah. you're good. Yeah. Just that whole interaction. And really, um, tell me the composer who's writing this music again. His name Ludwig. Is Ludwig. I kept. I, I was wanting to say another like German name, uh, but Ludwig <laughs> Gordon. This score, just from beginning to end, is mm, great. So really, yeah. really, my two favorite parts. Obviously, the Easter egg, the the mentions of Coruscant, the draws back to the prequels, but then Ludwig's score in this. I mean, I just his have timing. Notes. Yes. It's his timing. Yes. And I didn't think that it could get better. Mm -hmm. Like from season one, like I thought season one was great and the music was just fantastic, but he took it to another level this season. Um, And I'm just really impressed by the work that he's done. Absolutely. And just reflect, especially with all these callbacks. Oh yeah. All these callbacks. And then, yeah, you know, towards the end, you kind of get this like, medieval like recorder of like composition Mm. of the main theme super cool yeah and then the theme as ahsoka walks away we see her walking away i hear i hear so many influences from you know john williams in the prequels from john williams in the but it's what's amazing and for the listeners i'm a i'm a music student um here at the the college that david and i attended um, and so music is, it speaks to my soul. Um, but it's still very much so the Mandalorian. Like it is not, it's not like he's, you know, jipping John Williams and, you know, just, just, you know, cutting and pasting his stuff, but he is like very musically and excellently weaving in the themes of we've heard all through star Wars, but making it his own and making it mm-hmm. distinct. And that's hard to do, especially with someone as iconic as John Williams trying to not, you know, sound too derivative but not trying to, you know, get too far away. And I think he's found that happy medium and it's been so enjoyable. So so fun to listen to. No, absolutely. And I think even taking works of the composer, I can't I, I think his name is Kevin Kiner, uh working in the Clone Wars he takes elements of it only in the, in the sense of when Ahsoka sh- showed up um, in that introduction scene, Ahsoka's theme from the Clone Wars very subtly came up. Mm. Um, and just using, knowing when to do that though is crucial because mm-hmm. you don't want to just do the force theme throughout any time that there's a battle sequence or anything like that. Don't want it played there. Yeah. But in those little moments to where you can reference back to a time, that people remember, but still have your own original work in there involved with and basically accompanying the, the, the previous works that we've seen from John Williams and Kevin Kiner. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Definitely. This was, again, like I said before, I think chapter 13, the Jedi was a love letter to star Wars fans mm. um, from Dave Filoni. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a fun, 
fun little adventure. And I think a really good episode because now we're moving on to chapter 14. Oh, yeah. The tragedy. Man. And there's not really a lot to say in terms of um, length because it, but a lot happens in these kind of 35 minutes. Yeah. Um, And so let's just kind of get into it. So we see uh, Grogu and Mando heading to Tython. Mando's still finding himself laughing over the fact that any that he, he responds to Grogu, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good opening scene, I yeah. think. Uh, and the fact that he's just he knows this kid is is powerful and wants him to be happy and to have his choice. Yeah. Um, whether that's being with the Jedi or you know forging his own path, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So then they land on Tython. He goes on the Seeing Stone. And I, I'm just going to say this real quickly. Tython doesn't look as Tython looked in the Old Republic times. And I was okay with that. Yeah. Because it was hundreds of years. Naturally, yeah. And so who knows when the last when the Jedi moved off of Tython and had just established themselves on Coruscant. Yeah. Um, Could have been, again, hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. So it never was going to look the same as it was back then. But the fact that they go to it is amazing. Um, and so Grogu is, is placed on the on the seeing rock. And Slave One comes down. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I automatically I was just like, oh, yeah, it's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. One of those instantly Grogu, recognizable ships. Yeah, instantly recognizable. And Grogu is, is on the seeing rock and he starts to meditate and he's surrounded by i don't know just kind of like a force shield yeah that's I, that's basically what i'm gonna call it, a force shield that mando can't break through yeah so he says okay i'm gonna defend you right now uh while you're doing that so he goes down um and there's a couple of surprises brady you can kind of take it away with with who shows up and with who and how crazy that was yeah it was insane and Kind of just going back to the beginning, I mean, in the same vein as chapter 13, I mean, I was expecting, you know, Ahsoka says, you know, at the top of this mountain, you'll see, you'll see the seeing stone, put him on top. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have this long journey to the top of this mountain, you know, and then we're finally going to get up there. But no, Mando's like, let's just, uh, Let's just travel the last stretch of this with the windows down. And he's just, you know, jetpacks up there. Um, super cool. Yeah. Then he goes down. He sees Slave 1. And, I mean, obviously, Din Djarin doesn't know what Slave 1 is. So he's kind of clueless in a way. Um, but he, you know, looks through his um, through his mask. And he sees a figure come out. Um, a figure that we saw earlier in in this season. Um, on tattooing mm-hmm. um, this hooded figure um, played by Tamira Morrison um, who you know Mando originally thinks he's a Jedi he's like are you Jedi and he's like I, I don't remember exactly what he says but he eventually gets to where you know he's he drops the line of I'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the galaxy mm, yes it's so Absolutely. great and I think that that line in and of itself kind of gives us a vision into Boba Fett mm-hmm. and Jango Fett I mean they were not 
I'm going to save that for the end because there's a lot we can get into with, you know, Boba's yes. history and all this kind of stuff. Yes. But we see Boba and then he wants the armor, he says. He wants the armor. And, you know, Din thinks, like, okay, he's after my armor. If he's not after the kid, he's after my armor. This is kind of the theme of the season when people are coming after him. But no, Boba's like, I don't want your armor. I want my armor. And you're like, oh, whoa. He still has his armor, like from when they were with Cobb Vant. Um, and then I believe one of the first things out of his mouth is, are you Mandalorian? And that's when he drops the line of, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way through the galaxy. And, you know, Din is not ready to give up that armor to anyone who's not Mandalorian. It belongs with the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Boba tries to give, you know, his his reasoning why, you know, this is my armor. It's been in my family. It was my father Django's. Um, and eventually they get into this standoff where, and then we get the drop. Finnick Shand is back. Back from yes. the Tatooine episode mm -hmm. played by Ming-Na. And, you know, she's back and she's got a gun pointed at Grogu. Mm -hmm. And initially I'm, my initial reaction is, well, he's got this force shield around him, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. Din doesn't know that if that's going to... And Din has really made this attachment to Grogu, mm -hmm. so he's like, heck no. Put yeah, your gun you're down. not doing that. Yeah. Um, and so they finally come to a truce. Din takes his jetpack off. Fennec comes down. Um, you know, we get to see... She's basically at Boba's service now because he apparently, like, saved her. We thought she was dead. She was shot. Yeah. He's she like reveals this thing around her waist, like where she's got like this technology and keeping her yeah. alive. Yeah, mm -hmm. super cool. Um, but she's at Boba's service basically, um, and kind of as they're as they're talking, we see a you know freighter full of you know eventually we see stormtroopers come in, um, and we kind of recalling back to I mean Din's got a tracker on his ship. Um, mm -hmm. and so they've been tracking him. They followed him here. Um, do you want to kind of take over this action sequence? Cause it was super dope. Oh yeah. And just kind of, just so that way we can talk about, you know, the aftermath, I'll just summarize it very quickly. So basically they start taking these stormtrooper outs in droves in waves. Mm -hmm. Um, Finnick and Boba are the kind of the ones kind of with the with the first initial kind of defense while mando tries to tell grogu hey you need to hurry up because we need to get out of here mm -hmm. uh and he just keeps getting blown back by the blast and stuff and he says okay i'm going to defend you oh the moment that i'm just like oh no right. just the timing wasn't right was as soon as he did that and he left um the top of that grogu stops communing with the force which i think that's what he was doing communing with the force because mm -hmm. he's so tired and just kind of passes out you know like he does when he ever when he strains himself a little bit too much right um and so mando and fennec are kind of you know mando's using his his beskar armor to kind of shield fennec who gets in you know some trouble because mm -hmm. there's a lot of stormtroopers that come in another ship comes in all this kinds of stuff and even before we see Boba, you know, when he's fighting off, he looks at the ship, mm -hmm. the Razor Crest, yeah. where he knows his armor is there, mm -hmm. and he starts walking towards it. Meanwhile, Mando and Fennec, they're struggling just a tad, just a little bit. 
but they're a great duo. Explos- and they do a great yes, job. no, absolutely. They do a really good job uh, just working together. And next thing we know, a grenade goes off. And there stands Boba Fett back in his Mandalorian armor. Heck yeah, man. Um, it's it's awesome and it's cool. He goes to town. One of the distinctions someone made online about when Cobb Vanth has the armor and Boba does is the missile that is strapped on the jetpack. Um, when Cobb Vanth kind of shoots it at the target moving away, um, or the ship kind of leaving and moving away, he stares at the explosion. When the when these Imperial Remnant forces, when they gather back into the ships, because Boba is just attacking out. everybody, yeah. they're freaked out. When when they get back into their ships and start flying, like retreating and flying up, he basically aims, shoots, turns and looks away. And the explosion happens behind him. And I'm like, that's so Boba Fett. Right. Um, so I thought that was cool. And I was aiming for the other one. <laughs> yeah. That was a funny line, too. Um, and in that, you think, okay, everything's fine and okay. Then a single shot from the sky f- freaking destroys the Razor Crest. Yep. Like, does not leave it st- one part standing. And what's funny is, at that point, Fennec, she's talking to Boba, but at this point, I can't mm-hmm. tell who she's talking to. She says, you should get back to your ship. And I thought she was yeah. talking to Din at first. And I was like, "Yeah, what ship? Like, it's in ruins. So did I. Yeah, for sure. I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And, and so his, his ship explodes. Gideon sends the Dark Troopers, which are now officially canon they first were introduced in uh legends in star wars dark forces uh and then they were made officially canon in star wars commander which is a mobile strategy kind of game that they have there so they kind of do that and the dark troopers take the child Mm. with them yep and so we see you know mando saying we need to get him like well first he doesn't say we need to get him back he just says, hey, thanks for helping out. You have everything you need. Right. Our deal's been concluded. And Boba, in a very un-Boba way, I would say, just in the, how we've seen him in the past. Sure. But again, Boba is kind of in a new light at this point. Yeah. Um, and he says, well, our deal's not really done because the child needs to be returned safely into your care. And until we do that, we're in your debt. So now you have the team of Din Djarin, Boba Fett, and... and uh, Fennec Shand, yeah. Yeah, and Fennec Shand. And so that's already a good team, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, two Mandalorians and a sharpshooter, and a very good sharpshooter at that. Um, so they travel to Navarro with Cara Dune. And at first, she's, she becomes a marshal of the New Republic. Yep. She's, she's, she's now joined the New Republic. She's serving as a marshal on Navarro, and... You know, she has to do things by the book. Yep. Okay. Why didn't he, why is that even a question? Well, because Din's plan is to bring back Mayfield, who we saw last season and the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. who is an expert gunner. Uh, and apparently, and also, I saw somewhere, I think he has like intel on where the Empire's like, where they're hiding, where they're mm. hiding out, where their fleet is. So, cause I mean, yeah. know, he wants to get, get back there. And so yeah, for sure. Din has been, you know, with Mayfeld in the past. And so he knows his history, mm-hmm. knows 
the yeah. connections he has. Yeah, for sure. And so he's basically said, well, I need to bust him out. And he just says, I have to do things by the book. Mm-hmm. But then, but then Mando says they took the child or they took the kid. Yeah. And her and, face is like, excuse me? Heck no. <laughs> and, and so that's kind of, and then we see obviously Moff Gideon with Grogu who's force choking a couple of stormtroopers mm-hmm. and he tires out, you know, that's kind of his MO at this point. Um, not his MO, but that's just kind of what he he's does. He's just not, he's just not strong enough to you know mm-hmm. wield the force for long periods of time um, yep and and gideon just pulls out the dark saber and threatens the kid which is okay i guess yeah you want to do things that way and the episode ends and so we've seen a lot of this episode was short but crazy had a lot of stuff going on yeah. in this episode for sure well i mean it doesn't end yet we go back and we get to see a little more about boba's past that's true. That's true. And and it's revealed that Jango Fett was a foundling. Yeah. Um, and so they're real Mandalorians. They are. For sure. Yeah. Whatever that means, uh, really. And and we see that kind of the different kind of philosophies that even the Mandalorians have. Of mm-hmm. One with a sense of honor of you can never take off your helmet. One, it's stuff uh, that I think is earned because obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, Jango... Django in serving in the Mandalorian Civil War and in doing all this, you know, that's probably how he got, you know, that's 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 his entrance into the Mandalorian clan and into their culture. Um, and so that's it's wild because my favorite Easter egg and kind of like thing we get out of this episode. So, you know, now we know that Django and Boba, you know, being clones of each other, they're Mandalorian. Which, in, you know, coming out of that, all the clones in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So this is why, um, this is why when um, Darth Tyrannus, Lord Tyrannus, uh, Dooku, whenever he's getting, whenever they're, whenever, um, they're getting um, Jango to be, you know, the specimen that they make these clones out of. I mean, Mandalorians are meant to be able to fight against Jedi. So this that's like the perfect, you know, group of people you would want to have to eventually turn um, during Order 66 and go against the Jedi is those who are trained to fight Jedi with their Beskar and, you know, um, know about the Jedi's weaknesses, obviously. And obviously as we get later, I mean, Din knows nothing about them and this, this specific sect of Mandalorian don't seem to know much about the Jedi. Um, but in the past, I mean, that's what the Mandalorians did. I mean, they were warriors. They saw the Jedi and they saw that the power that they had and they wanted to be able to overtake that. And so everything they did wasn't to be able to fight Jedi. And so now knowing Jango and Boba's history um, that just opens up a lot more things. And really, when you see um, Din and Ahsoka, they're both kind of, you know, Din is a Mandalorian, but we've come to find out he's not a Mandalorian in the sense of like Bo-Katan and Boba Fett and all of these other, like he's a Mandalorian, but he's of this religious, zealous group 
And then we have Ahsoka, who's a Jedi. She's not really a Jedi. She's kind of gone off. So there's kind of like these outcasts. Um, and we're kind of getting to see, you know, the Jedi, the Mandalorian in this, in a new light. And it's very refreshing. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting dynamic that you've kind of painted a picture of. It's an interesting dynamic because think about why the Mandalorians, especially that kind of sect and that kind of group, and why Din Djarin doesn't know about the Jedi. Well, because the Jedi haven't been, you know, protectors of the galaxy mm. in a very long time. Right. It's been a couple decades yep. since they have been. And even the Mandalorians, they haven't been who they used to be in a very, very long time. Right, right. So you're having these kind of two ideas, Mandalorians and Jedi, having to kind of rebuild and rediscover themselves. And Din Djarin's in the middle of all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think in terms of Easter egg, I think just the fact that Boba Fett coming back yeah. with the armor. That's big. Was huge. <laughs> My final thought on this episode is this. What did Grogu see on the stone? Mm. When he was meditating and communing with the force, what what, what did he see? Yep. And two, where do we go from here? Those are the things that we will see in the final two episodes of The Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, they're getting the gang back together. I mean, Din is probably internally very pissed about what's happened. So I think we're going to mm -hmm. see a Din Djarin. I mean, we've gotten to see him in great combat sequences. Um, he can he can carry his own, obviously. Um, I mean, he manages to somehow, in the very short fight against Ahsoka, you know, he, he was obviously overmatched, but he, he was able to. And so he being, you know, thrust into, into this situation. I mean, the guy, the, the child, the, what was originally just a mission for him has become someone he's grown attached to has been taken away from him. I mean, I'm excited to see just how, ham he's gonna go once he knows he can have the possibility of getting Grogu back no I, I absolutely agree with you it's going to be so so here's what I'm thinking chapter 13 was an episode to where it kind of fulfilled the desires of Ahsoka fans and, and, and all that kind of fulfilled their desires and also was a love letter like I said multiple times mm -hmm. to Star Wars fans like myself Luke you um, those who have really kind of consumed any kind of content we can from Star Wars. But Chapter 14 was a very important episode that was not a blow-off episode like I thought it was going to be, especially when looking at the runtime. It was an episode that sets up the final two. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see what they do, what they do next. Yeah, it's going to um, be great. It's yeah. They've set up for a very good last two episodes here and i cannot wait to see where they go absolutely so thank you for joining us today as we cover chapters 13 and 14 
of the Mandalorian. Brady, thank you so much for filling in for Luke. Uh, you've been an awesome person to chat with uh, about the Mandalorian and just about Star Wars in general. Uh, we just appreciate you you coming on and being with us today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And um, like I said, Star Wars is something I love, something I love to talk about. David's an awesome man I love to talk about Star Wars with. So it's just, it's Aww. the best of both worlds. I love you, my man. Yeah, love you too, bro. All right, so next time that we get together, we'll be kind of talking about the conclusion of season two of The Mandalorian. Um, but until then, for Brady Paul, this is David Gonzalez here on the Star Wars Historian Show on the Gazebo Effect Podcast. May the force be with you.